Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Well, it is eight. No, it is not eight. It's nine. It's 9.20 a.m. Central Standard. It's the 20th of November, getting up to Thanksgiving, coming coming close, can't wait, man. Got some family coming into town. 2019, this is episode 166 of Bitcoin, and it's probably going to be a longer show today. Sorry, I, there's just, there's actually quite a bit of stuff going on in the community. So the community news section, as we're going to start with, is longer, much longer than normal because, my God. There's a lot of stuff going on. But first, first, I want to rant about high fees. My high fees. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My high fees. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's nothing but bullshit. That narrative has been around longer than I've been around Bitcoin, and it's complete bullshit. Why? Because the entire high fee narrative that touched off the entire scaling debate and high fees war that lasted for three years and destroyed more friendships than I can count has always been predicated upon the price of Bitcoin in U.S. dollars or other fiat currencies. So yesterday I reached out to a couple of people um, and was asking for... Um, I needed a graph that showed transaction fees in Satoshis per byte across a long, t- a long enough time scale that I would feel comfortable about saying that the high fees thing is bullshit. And I was right. It is bullshit. If you're looking at a Bitcoin transaction and the fees incurred on a, on a single Bitcoin in, uh, transaction and you're looking at it in United States dollars, then you automatically have this this variable going around, going about, uh, or you've injected a variable that is a it's kind of false. It's not that Bitcoin isn't worth a certain amount of dollars. That's obviously true. It's just that if you look at the fees and satoshis per byte, what you're gonna find out is that we've had decreasing fees in terms of satoshis per byte. From the entire time, be like it, as far as I can tell, fees in uh, I've got I've got a graph. I, I tweeted it out. I made a nice you know a, a nice little graphic with with my avatar in there and everything um, that shows basically three sections of the timescale starting in January of 2011 all the way up until today. And what I see is a descending trend line. That's right. From it, fees were higher in terms of satoshis per byte in 2011 than they are today. 
by quite a bit, by quite a bit. Um, so I took this graph and I, I made, I, well, the, I, I set this graph to be a 90 day moving average. So it could kind of, you know, uh, scale out some of the noise that's going on. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it now and I have nothing but a descending trend line through the time the, the and the, the, when the fees were really, 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 really high as in terms of Satoshi per byte, it was in January, uh, 2011, and then a steep decline in January of 2014. So for those two years, you know, I got in, 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 in 2015, but I don't really like, if I'm going back, I'm not really hearing a lot of people saying a lot of stuff about when fees were high there. We have this steep decline starting in January of 2014. And those fees are like just even below those fees in Satoshi per byte are below January, 2011 in January of 2015, January of 2016, and then got back above that trend in January uh, from January, 2016 throughout January 17 got really high in Jan uh, through that year from 17 to 18. And then it's plummeted. It's absolutely plummeted. Um, starting in <clears throat> February, 2019, around that time, it was, it's the lowest, lowest fees that's ever been. And then it kind of spiked up a little bit. And then now we're back to under where fees were back in 2011. So throughout the entire scaling debate and Mahai fees bitch fest, they were actually for most of that time, those fees were actually lower than they were in 20 in uh, January of 2011, certainly lower all the way through mid 2011. Um, and then in January of 2012, they got really high again. All I'm saying is I don't know where the narrative came from and I don't know how we bought it. Well, I know where it came from. I just don't know how we bought it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, wait. It's because we have a bad habit of talking about Bitcoin in terms of the United States dollar or it pick any other fiat pile of garbage. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Mahai fees, complete and utter trash. We got hosed on that entire thing. And all the friends, that friendships that got melted away on that, that's just too damn bad. So, okay. <clears throat> Bit Sahara is fast because it has, uh, like, I don't know, they appeared on my radar, but it wasn't like a blip. It was more like a slap in the face. I, all I'm seeing now is a whole bunch of stuff out of Bit Sahara. At Bit Sahara, B I T S A H A R A, keeps giving away Satoshis. They have like an ongoing faucet. It's awesome. Uh, so, I had, they, they want you to use wallet of Satoshi. Um, and then just go, go to their feed, uh, go to their timeline and just, uh, give, uh, give them a follow or put them in your list or however, because every once in a while, actually it's not every once in a while. It's like every other day, it seems like they'll just, this one says, get started in two or new to lightning, get started in two minutes, download the lightning or download lightning wallet, wallet of Satoshi.com. Tap receive on homepage to create the invoice. Tap add custom amount and input amount. Tap done, copy invoice, and send it to us. We'll send some sats your way. So 
be careful with that custom amount, guys, over there at BitSahara, because you're going to get an invoice and accidentally pay like a million sats or something like that. I put I generated a lightning invoice for 555 Satoshis. You know, it's like two cents or something like that. Just just to see. And I mean, let's see, I gave him like that. Uh I gave him that at like 251 p.m. At 252 p.m. <laughs> there a tweet went out that that they had sent me uh the Satoshis. I checked my wallet. I mean, in under a minute, man. Through through using Twitter, I got two cents in my in my brand new spanking new wallet of Satoshi. So go follow the guys over at BitSahara, man, because you know there there there's a lot of people that are coming up that are promoting the Lightning Network, and it's good to see. Like this gentleman, um, again, BitSahara had tweeted out uh, a tweet. Uh, this was the day before yesterday. What are you going to grow the Lightning Network? Oh, I'm sorry. What are you doing to grow the Lightning Network this week? Well, John Otar Ax, Ax, <laughs> Axelson, or at John Otter, J-O-H-N-O-T-T-A-R, wrote back and said, well... I made an RPI and a at open node co control a chain of lights that my wife bought. Now she has to pay 10 Satoshis to turn on the light until midnight. Feel free to test it out. Sorry for the poor interface. So he builds an interface or a a website that essentially generates uh, a lightning invoice. So using this time I used blue wallet, I sent him 10 Satoshis. And within minutes, let's see, what was it? Uh, let's see, when when did I do that? I want to make sure when I when I actually did that. Um, yeah, yesterday um, I picked it up, uh, picked up his tweet and said, okay, so I paid him. And in the same minute, it seems, he wrote back with a selfie of him and his wife pointing at this these lights that she bought that are up on this bookcase and they've turned on. I turned on his light. I don't know where the guy lives. He probably doesn't with a name like his. I doubt he lives in the United States. He may. I, I don't know. The point is he could be in freaking Hong Kong. And I turned on his lights with 10 Satoshis in under in seconds, absolute seconds. And I've in, in a way I've made a new friend because he, when he when he wrote back with a selfie, he said, thanks. Your Satoshis brought light into our lives. The power of the Lightning Network cannot be denied at this point. Um, okay, moving on. Holly Randall is a, an, a uh, she's in the adult film industry, and let's just call it adult entertainment because there's a whole bunch of different jobs that, that these people do. And whatever, whatever. She's an erotic photographer, director, producer, podcaster. You know stuff like you know stuff like that. So she wrote. November the 18th, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but today my workers' compensation insurance carrier terminated my coverage because they saw I work in the adult industry. And that's how difficult it is to run a legit and legal sex work business. I was just trying to protect my employees. So it wasn't just her. All like anybody that works for her got their shit terminated. There is no workers' compensation insurance for these people. 
So I'm thinking that we will see a Bitcoin insurance company pop up in three, two, one. I'd like to see it named BitSurance. I'm not going to do it. Some One of you guys go out and do it. Build a Bitcoin insurance company or, or an insurance company uh, that is insuring people, not Bitcoin, but insuring people by somehow using Bitcoin. One of you brilliant guys out there or girls, you figure out how to do that and you'll probably be building one of the next great Bitcoin companies. And I hope, I hope to see it happen. Uh, bottle pay. Oh God, bottle pay. They are excited to announce the public launch of the bottle pay OAuth and developer APIs. <laughs> I love it, man. Let, let me read you the, the blog post that they uh, put up about this. This is going to be docs.bottle.dev. Bo- docs.bottle.dev. This is going to explain the Bottle Pay Wallet API. Introduction The Wallet API offers developers a drop in Lightning Network enabled wallet services and optional social network enabled user creation flow. The three main goals for this project are one, Provide tooling that allows LAP developers to focus on building their app without having to consider complex, fragmented wallet interactions, user creation, and infrastructure management. Two, to dramatically improve the user experience by moving simple wallet interactions into the background, removing the requirement for context switching between LAPs and wallets. Three, to increase adoption of projects in the Lightning Network by creating a showcase that will help LAPs to our fast-growing user base. I guess they actually probably meant help create laps and add them to our fast-growing, whatever. In either event, this is awesome. It's make it, They just made it very easy for you to integrate bottle payments into in, in pretty, pretty much anything. So give the guys over at Wall, uh, Bottle Pay a shout. If you're, if you're not using Bottle Pay, uh, please go follow... Uh, uh, just Google Google Bottle Pay, and you'll get everything you need to know about why we care, why we should care. Bottle Pay is literally the 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 at this point, Bottle Pay has replaced Tippin Dot Me as as for myself the amount of people that that throw me satoshis for you know uh, doing the show and stuff. It used to come through Tippin Dot Me. And don't get me wrong, guys. I love you guys at Tippin.me. However, right now, Bottle Pay's kind of kicking y'all's ass. So you might want to fight back a little bit. There's nothing like a, you know, a good slug fest in this, in this space, because God knows we're seeing one. We're seeing one with a uh, I'm just gonna mention it here. Uh Richard Hart is has come back with his with Hexcoin, and I guess he decided that the computational fluid dynamics token that he had been touting in 2017 and 2016. Guess it, guess that scam just died on the vine. So he's moved on to a new scam and now he's begging everybody and their dog to debate him. And he's, yeah, it's, it's bad. I'm not, he's not even the train wreck cause I'm not going to give him that, that honor, that distinction. He will, Richard Hart will never be a train wreck in, in, uh, for as long as I live now, Tor, the Tor project, they tweeted out the other day, actually, was it yeah yesterday? Okay. Uh, that, and they say as part of the giving block or at the giving blocks, Bitcoin Tuesday, 
you can now donate Bitcoin to the Tor project across the Lightning Network using Bottle Pay. Here we go again. Get your free wallet at bottle.li. Then you can send us sats these three ways. And the rest of the tweet basically shows shows how uh, it, through uh, through pictures. Um, it's 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 amazing that we can now donate to the Tor project using Lightning. Now this goes out. This is a call out to to uh, other. Well, I was going to say Gary Leland. I, I really want to go to Bitblock Boom this year, but you know I was like going. Ah, oh, I wish I didn't have to. I wish I could just you know uh, use the Lightning Network to pay it. The problem is Lightning Network is not designed to shuttle three hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty dollars, depending on what package you pick up for Bitblock Boom. Um, it's not designed that way. With atomic multipath payments, I t- technically, theoretically, I would be able to use the Lightning Network to send Gary, you know, enough money so I could get the brunch, the dinner, and the general admission, and maybe some swag, and be able to use the Lightning Network for all of let's say up to like six hundred bucks. And if I had atomic multipath payments, I would probably be able to do that. But we're kind of far off from that. But again, you know, the Lightning Network is seeing the kind of fire development that we were all excited about with Bitcoin. Thankfully, Bitcoin is getting boring. It is. I I know, man. I know. Well, I mean, it's getting boring as far as development. There obviously the new developments are coming, but it's always slow. It's always been this way. Lightning is like, my God, just the amount of stuff that is being developed the amount of apps and experiments and i mean it's it's nuts it's nuts it's even more lightning development is even more exciting than the, the my early days of bitcoin development when i was seeing what was going on in bitcoin i was like excited all the time but it was slow lightning network allows you to make the like all manner of fundamental mistakes <clears throat> that the developers on bitcoin can't make or or refuse to make they refuse to jack with a $140 billion chain. They refuse to do it. Good. I'm glad. Let Lightning take take up some of the mistake-making stuff because, like, you know, mistakes are being made on Lightning all the time. But whatever, Tor Project, go and donate to them because they need they probably need our help. Now, bit refill. Uh, I love these guys too. These are some like I I try to only report on, you know, or talk about the companies that have been good Bitcoin companies and bit refill right up there with them. Bit refill down under 72 new gift cards for Australia. This was released today. Um, and this is, I'm just going to read just a little bit. This is their, basically this is blog.bitrefill.com and they're, you know, this is their last blog post. Um, it says our most recent global expansion milestone takes us to Oceana. If you live in Australia or happen to visit the land down under, you can now use cryptocurrency to pay for many everyday products and services through BitRefill. BitRefill allows you to stop leaking personal data through credit cards and or fiat exchange methods while improving the payment experience. All of our products can be purchased with Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dash, and Dogecoin. Digital codes are delivered instantly or after one network confirmation, depending on the method used. And then they give a list of a whole, but you know, there's a, a list of all 
the, the different stores that, that are, are hanging out with bit refill on this whole thing. So we got catch latest buy, hard to find. Now, none of these I recognize because I'm not Australian, uh, but Stephen Lavera is, so he may recognize this, but I don't think Stephen listens to the show, but that's cool. I love Stephen Lavera's show. If you're not listening to it, you probably should listen to it. Caltex, Jetstar, Red Balloon, Luxury Escapes, Burnings Warehouse, Spotlight, Freedom, Plush, Original Mattress Factory, Priceline Pharmacy, Mac for Cosmetics, <coughs> Endota, Best Spas, Blyze. <coughs> so, sorry, guys, still got a cough. Starbucks, Best Restaurants of Australia, Dan Murphy's, BWS, Seller Masters. I mean, it's just this huge list. So, 72 cards for bit refill available for all you guys living down under, you know, take advantage of it, man, because it's, it's, it's good to have these companies. I know they, they, they deal in Litecoin. at one point or another, we got to give some of these guys a break. I mean, you know, I, I get it. I, I the Chihuahua is probably going to kill me for saying that, but bit refill has never done anything against Bitcoin. That's my criteria. It's like the, I won't even mention some of their names, but some of the people in this space that have gone against Bitcoin, they attacked it. Bit refill, all they're doing is using different chains, but it's clear that they are, they are as Bitcoin maximalist as they can be. And they can't be 100% like me because they hold a bag of Litecoin and some, and Dogecoin. Like I said, at one point or another, we probably might want to give these people a break. Okay, it is time for a commercial. Don't freak out. I don't have a sponsor. I still don't have a sponsor. I still don't have a sponsor. However, one of these days I may get a sponsor. So I'm going to start, you know, every once in a while, I kind of want to do, you know, kind of pretend. Hey, give me a break, man. I get what I will do is I'll introduce this. Uh, lightninghood.com came, uh, popped up on my radar this morning. Never heard about him before. <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I'm like on their webpage right now going, Oh, great. Yeah, again, like I was saying earlier about lightning and the, the resources that are coming online, this resource has come online, lightninghood.com. Their website says, as Bitcoin and Lightning Network enthusiasts, we value both privacy and financial sovereignty as fundamental rights for a free society. Our mission is to help educate and guide the next generation of individuals towards seeing the value of these principles to help better the lives of themselves and others. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is the first decentralized digital currency. Bitcoins are digital coins you can send through the internet. Compared to other alternatives, Bitcoins have a number of advantages. Bitcoins are transferred directly from person to person via the net without going through a bank or clearinghouse. This means that the fees are much lower, you can use them in every country, your account cannot be frozen, and there are no prerequisites or arbitrary limits. Let's look at how it works. Bitcoins are generated all over the internet by anybody running a free application called a Bitcoin miner. Mining requires a certain amount of work for each block of coins. This amount is automatically adjusted by the network such that Bitcoins are always created at a predictable and limited rate. Your Bitcoins are stored in your digital wallet, which might look familiar if you use online banking. When you transfer Bitcoins, an electronic signature is added. 
After a few minutes, the transaction is verified by a miner and permanently and anonymously stored in the network. The Bitcoin software is completely open source and anybody can review the code. Bitcoin is changing finance the same way the web changed publishing. When everyone has access to a global market, great ideas flourish. Let's look at some examples of how Bitcoins are already used today. You can purchase video games, gifts, books, servers, and alpaca socks. Several currency exchanges exist where you can trade your Bitcoins for dollars, euros, and more. Bitcoins are a great way for small businesses and freelancers to get noticed. It doesn't cost anything to start accepting them, there are no chargebacks or fees, and you'll get additional business from the Bitcoin economy. For your first Bitcoins and more information, visit weusecoins.com. Yeah, so there's a couple of videos on their uh, homepage. <clears throat> and if you just look at the homepage, it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's a couple of videos. And you're like, I, even I was like going, huh? If you go to resources and select any one of them, and let's see what, there's Bitcoin resources, Lightning resources, and privacy resources. So if I click on Lightning resources, it takes me to a page that is extravagantly long. When I mean extravagantly long, I mean extravagantly long. There, and what it is is a list of links, and they they've all been divided into headings. Like, okay, so let me do the first one. the The main heading says, "Discover all the ways you can delve into the world of the Lightning Network." Getting started with Lightning is the next header, and then underneath that header are 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 just nothing but a whole bunch of links. And they're human readable links. They've got, you know, and that, to do a page this way, you know, it, it takes time. They put a lot of time and effort into doing this. But w the bullet points read the history of Lightning, Lightning Network for Beginners, Chain Code, Chain Code Labs, Lightning White Paper, How to Make Payments on Lightning from the Terminal, Routing Payments on Lightning, Bolt Technical Specs, The History of Lightning, From Brainstorm to Beta, and on and on and on. And then so I'll just, and the rest of the, that's sort of the, the same way that the rest of these are done. So there's a, a heading for developers and implementation. There's a heading for running a Lightning node, Lightning Explorers and Statistics, Wallets, Exchanges and Channel Management Services, Payment Processors and Faucets, Identity and Web Login, Developer Resources, Lightning Enabled Websites and Miscellaneous, Shop with Lightning, Games on Lightning, Community, Community Projects, Lightning Video Library, Lightning. It goes on and on and on. Also, they have their own game studio as well as a blog, but the game studio looks really cool. And it actually takes you to lhgamestudio.com. Now, it, they still have the Lightning Hood, so I, I, I guess they're... LH stands for Lightning Hood Game Studio, but it basically is a different website. Uh, and it's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, they're, uh, let's see, Lightning Spin Game, Donner Dungeon, uh, Instamina, Satoshi Gobet, Lightning Roulette. Why are we always gambling? Why, why is gambling always part of this? I don't, I don't know. Where is Nakamoto? We are all HODL or not. I mean, and there's, you know, there's actually, there's four pages of this. Well, I'm going to go to the, the very last page and see what's on here. Um, Hangman, Space Invaders, Lightning. These are all Lightning-enabled games. All of them are Lightning-enabled games. This is amazing. So go check out Robinhood, or I'm sorry, lightninghood.com. Let me make sure that that's right. 
Just want to make sure that that's right. And, uh, man, my, yeah, yeah. Lightninghood.com. So lightning, like the lightning network, hood, H-O-O-D, like robinhood.com. Go out, you know, go hang out on their website learn, and, and use it to learn what you can about um, the lightning network and all the rest of the stuff that they have. Cause they've really pulled together a whole bunch of resources. I will finish with this. I think I'm dealing here with a good company and I, I, I have good evidence for that. And the reason is at the top right hand side of their page, it says one BTC equals 100 million Satoshis, 0.00% change. They get it. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Stop valuing Bitcoin in the United States dollar and other fiat piles of garbage. And you too will come to the conclusion that one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin and fees have done nothing but decline since 2011. So there's that. Okay, let's get into the news. Welcome to the morning roundup. Finally, there, like I said, I, I told you there was a lot of stuff going on in the community. I told you, but there's also stuff going on in the news. So Cointelegraph's Anna Alexandra is writing uh, yesterday, Canada's largest bank refutes rumors about it launching crypto exchange. Another one, another one. This is, I think, number four that a story's come out about that the entity in question has flatly refuted the original story. Like I said, last time I talked about stuff like this, I I see a trend developing. And let's go ahead and read this one. Royal Bank of Canada will not launch its own digital currency trading platform, contrary to previously published news last week. Rumors that the RBC was exploring the possibility of launching its own cryptocurrency exchange began circulating on the internet on a range of finance and economics-focused publications. At the time, it was reported that the trading platform would facilitate buying and selling of individual digital coins, including Bitcoin and Ether, as well as the transfer of funds combining different types of cryptocurrencies. However, the RBC eventually, eventually denied the rumors about it launching a digital currency trading platform. The RBC told Cointelegraph that recent media articles have commented on certain patent applications made by RBC in relation to blockchain technology and speculated on the applications of these patents. The bank confirmed that the aforementioned patent files do not relate to the development of a cryptocurrency exchange for clients, stating that it does not have near-term plans to launch a digital currency exchange for its customers. The RBC said, quote, as part of the innovation and discovery process, RBC, like many other organizations, files patent applications to ensure proprietary ideas and concepts are protected, end quote. Earlier in November, news broke that the Central Bank of Tunisia announced the start of a digitization of the Tunisian dinar. The BCT subsequently denied the report, clarifying that it was exploring various methods of digital payment alternatives, including a possible central bank digital currency, but it had not moved forward with its implementation. In China, the People's Bank of China announced that it will use a new system to certify 11 types of fintech hardware and software products relating to digital payments. The PBOC stated that in order to obtain corresponding certificate from the central bank, applicants will have to pass a prototype examination as well as on-site inspections. 
I have no idea why that last paragraph is in this story, but it's part of the story and I'm obligated to read the whole damn thing. However, Anna, dude, that had nothing to, that last paragraph has nothing to do with the rest of this, this thing. What is this thing? I'm not sure exactly what the hell's going on, but I figure it's either one of two things. Either Bitcoin journalism is really bad and people keep getting shit wrong, or it's actually either adequate or good. And they're reporting on stuff that these people don't really want out in the wild just yet. So they come back with a reef. No, 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 no. It's not us. We're not doing that. You guys got it wrong. It could go either way. And because the, the space is so nascent, it's probably bad reporting, but I don't know. You know, you know where these guys are going to go. There's no escape from this. There's absolutely no escape from Bitcoin. Vlad Castilla, one of my favorite guys in this space, is writing for Bitcoin Magazine, the Boltathon sequel to spark lightning innovation. <laughs> Promise this isn't going to turn into a lightning network only show. It's just that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on on lightning. So let's get into it. Oh, uh, by the way, this is from November the 18th. From December 6 to 8, 2019, the second edition of the Boltathon will take place in the natural habitat of Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, the Internet. The Lightning-centered hackathon and conference is a follow-up to the inaugural event in April of 2019, where many creative ideas were presented and many Lightning-focused projects made tangible <coughs> progress. For instance, after the multi-platform payments service Bottle Pay won the Boltathon, it went on to raise $2 million to boost development. I'm going to hold right there because look at what Bottle Pay Bottle Pay came out of this. Bottle Pay came out of Boltathon, then raised $2 million and Bottle Pay is now freaking everywhere. I see Bottle Pay uh, buttons in Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, obviously, I think they have a total of 11. It may be, it may be as, as few as seven, but my God, I've never seen anything. I mean, the only other people that I've seen grow like this is Lolly and at try Lolly. If you're not following them, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but continuing speakers at the event who will be making their presentations via live stream include Lightning Labs infrastructure lead Alex Bosworth, Blockstream researchers Christian Decker and Rusty Russell, and C Lightning developer Lisa Negu. For a participation fee of only 100,000 satoshis, about eight bucks, Lightning enthusiasts from all around the world can purchase single session tickets to watch these presentations via Zoom. The event has eight sessions, one for each speaker, so the total cost of watching all presentations will amount to 800,000 Satoshis, or, well, <coughs> let's see, what is that, uh, 48 bucks, 50, somewhere, uh, you know, yeah, we'll call it 50. The event's ticket page allows attendees to choose sessions individually. Nice. In the true spirit of the Lightning Network, sign-up only requires payment to generate a participation code used to join the live streams, 
with the option to submit an email address as well. There is no mandatory KYC process, no requirement to use a real name, and no way to discriminate among potential participants. The price is low enough to encourage enthusiasts from all around the world to learn more and engage with the Lightning community. Quote, our goal here is to offer an alternative to physical conferences, Boltathon co-founder Andrew Yang told Bitcoin Magazine. I've witnessed situations where tickets were very expensive, and I also had to take into account housing and travel costs. These were usually more expensive than the ticket. The Boltathon allows people from all over the world to participate either by creating a lightning project or attending sessions in quote. <clears throat> Participants in the hackathon will need to pay just 100 Satoshis, about $0.0083, and also prove that they're running a lightning node. In the final day of the event, they will have to make five-minute presentations about their projects and vote for the participants whose work they consider to be innovative and game-changing. Criteria for excellence include theme adherence, must use the lightning network for payments, applicability as a real-world use case, practical dimension, and wow factor, an aspect that may woo mainstream audiences and spread adoption. The winning efforts will be awarded with prizes that amount to 0.45 BTC to 0.2 BTC for first place, 0.5 or 0.15 BTC for second, and 0.1 BTC for third. Furthermore, the hackathon could serve as a platform for interesting projects to secure external funding from investors and companies interested in innovation, as Bottle Pay did. The decentralized and merit-based nature of this event means that an innovation from anywhere in the world could receive a spotlight. Quote, During the first conference, we had attendees from Brazil, South Africa, Thailand, Spain, Argentina, Nigeria, and the U.S., Yang said. Bitcoin events, presentations, and hackathon opportunities shouldn't just be for first world countries. Bitcoin is for the whole world, and that's why we think making it virtual enables us to reach and foster the global development of Bitcoin and Lightning. And that's the end of the article, but that is definitely not the end of the way conferences are going to go. Conferences... Outside of Bitcoin, conferences are going to go this way. Not all of them. I mean, who would uh, honestly, if you've been going to E3 for years and all of a sudden they said, you know what, we're just not going to go to Vegas and we're not going to do E3. We're going to do it, but it's going to be on the Internet. Complete fail. Uh, That would be the end of E3. So there's this there's this fine, not a fine line, but there's this, you know, gambit of different kind of conferences, but many of them, many of them could be done online. And that's, you know, that's why I really, really like what Boltathon is doing. And I also appreciate Gary Leland for keeping his meat space conference at a low enough price that it is affordable because for as somebody who's paid between $800 and $1,200, not to mention the hotel, all the food, and a freaking plane ticket round trip. And I think that whole thing ended up costing me $3,200 to go to perma, uh, uh, Permaculture Voices 3. Uh, it was out in San Diego, so it was a hell of a flight from, uh, you know, from Lubbock, where I was living at the time, to L.A. or uh, San Diego. But it was, I mean, it was a great conference, but, you know, I, that would be the line at which you can kind of say, you know what, we can do a conference like that online. That one could have been done online. It could also go and, you know, stay in meat space. So I, I, I'm i just saying that more and more and more of these conferences are going to be coming up and some of them are going to be really, really good and none of them 
are going to meet in meat space. All right. China digital currency launched definitely in six to 12 months, says investor. William Suberg is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. China will definitely deploy its new digital currency within the next six months to a year, a local blockchain investor has said. Speaking to CNBC on November the 20th, Edith Chung, partner at blockchain-focused venture capital fund Proof of Capital, appeared convinced about the digital currency's imminent arrival. Quote, I think definitely within the next six to 12 months, she told the network about a launch time frame. China has revealed it has been developing the virtual yuan for several years, but senior government officials have so far declined to state when it would become a reality. For Chung, however, foreign powers should already be prepared to respond as China looks to become the first country worldwide to issue a digital incarnation of its national currency. Quote, I really think the United States needs to hurry up to have a strong thinking and policy, at least a direction for virtual USD, she continued. Earlier this month, another investor delivered a more bullish forecast for the digital currency rollout, claiming it would appear in just three months' time. China remains in the spotlight as the digital currency plans run in tandem with the official endorsement of blockchain technology. Announced by President Xi Jinping last month, the policy is still having a knock-on effect for Chinese blockchain projects, several of which have seen the value of their own cryptocurrency tokens rise considerably. At the same time, Chinese state media more recently poured cold water on current levels of commitment to blockchain. According to new statistics, only around 10% of the 32,000 businesses in China, which claim to use the technology, actually do. So, yeah, uh, incoming digital yuan. Yeah, I, I don't know. After some of these other news stories, I actually fully expect to read on Friday that the Central Bank of China refutes this claim. How we flatly deny that it's six to 12 months. I don't it's So weird. So damn weird. Oh. Uh, God, do I want to? I'm gonna have. We're gonna have to. Kirian Smith writing this morning for Brave New Coin. Her article is entitled "Ethereum Istanbul Fork Confirmed for Early December." <coughs> oh, it hurts. Ugh. Ethereum developers will deploy the much anticipated Ethereum up- upgrade. The Istanbul hard fork on December the fourth. Istanbul promises to make the network faster, cheaper, and more efficient. Ethereum critics have grown louder in recent months, accusing the developers of propagating a promising world computer narrative and then failing to provide market-ready applications. You think? But this could be set to change in two weeks. Posted last week, Ethereum core developer Peter... I can't pronounce it, sorry. Said the long-awaited Istanbul hard fork will commence at block number 9069000, which is expected to be mined on December the 4th. The network fixes contained within Istanbul are a key milestone on Ethereum's roadmap to scalability and promise to make the blockchain faster, cheaper to use without sacrificing the principle of decentralization. That's BS. Nevertheless, the ambitious upgrade plans have attracted criticism. Some stakeholders are cautious about making radical changes to a $20 billion blockchain network that is already hosting hundreds of projects. The Istanbul Fork is the first of two major network upgrades planned for the next six months that will deliver Ethereum 2.0, also known as Serenity. 
These upgrades consist of 14 Ethereum improvement proposals, which have been reduced down from an original batch of 38. Six of these proposals will be implemented in Istanbul, part one of de- on December the 4th, and the remaining eight, which still require deliberation from core developers, have been set aside for Istanbul, part two, Berlin, scheduled for 20 or January 2020. <clears throat> When the upgrades are complete, Ethereum is expected to be significantly faster and will rely on a proof-of-stake consensus algorithm to validate transactions instead of of proof-of-work. Istanbul lays the groundwork for this transition and introduces several new core features. These include functionality for introducing sharding, which will improve the speed and throughput of ETH transactions, measures to reduce gas costs, improve chain interoperability with privacy coin Zcash, and smart contracts that allow for more creative functions. EIP 1884 is the most contentious change and will make the cost of recalling data on Ethereum more expensive than before. The increase in fees is intended to safeguard the blockchain from potential spam attacks, which can overload the network and create delays for legitimate users. Some DAP developers, however, remain unconvinced, suggesting they will face both increased transaction cost and unnecessary disruption. Decentralized management platform Aragon said the upgrade was an unfortunate trade-off that would break 680 smart contracts on the platform. Oh, how unfortunate. In a recent blog post written during the DevCon conference in Osaka, Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin offered a response to these concerns, quote, If you are a developer, you can eliminate the largest part of disruption from gas cost charges by proactively making sure you don't write apps with high witness sizes, i.e. measures the total storage slots plus contracts plus contract code accessed in one transaction and make sure it's not too high, wrote Buterin. Other proposals have been more universally welcome, like EIP 1108, which involves repricing the elliptic curve arithmetic pre-compiles on Ethereum. This update is intended to assist with scalability and benefit privacy protocols building on Ethereum by optimizing the payments of gas and will make ZK snarks and other privacy applications like Zether and Aztec cheaper to use on Ethereum. The most contentious proposals of the upgrade, however, have been reversed for Istanbul Part 2, Berlin. These include EIP 1057, also known as ProgPAL, which will make Ethereum ASIC resistant, no it won't, by replacing the proof-of-work function ETHRASH, or sorry, ETHHASH. This change might be popular with big GPU mining farms, but it has inspired doubt from critics who question why the proof-of-work algorithm is being altered just before the planned transition to proof-of-stake. No kidding. Other concerns, including compatibility, which is described by Buterin as the ability for different applications to easily talk to each other and potential security issues revolving around the building of a bridge between the two blockchains, were addressed in a series of four blog posts written by Vitalik during the platform's annual developer conference, DevCon. Buterin said that the compatibility will largely stay intact and that while a secure one-way bridge between the two blockchains could be possible, the complexity of a two-way bridge is unlikely to be developed as it could present a security risk. While the upgrade is a big step in the right direction. Buterin also cautioned that Ethereum 2.0 may need to function as its own separate blockchain for years before it can... be fully merged with Ethereum 1. Holy crap. I'm I'm looking at that at that last sentence in this story and I'm just kind of uh, just I'm just 
stupefied here. Let's read it one more time just to make sure that the impact is severe enough for anybody who even thinks that Ethereum is anything special. So I just rethink that whole thing, okay? <clears throat> While the upgrade is a big step in the right direction, Buterin cautioned that Ethereum 2 may need to function as its own separate blockchain for years before it can be fully merged with Ethereum 1.0. The way I should read that is that this is never going to happen, and you guys got hosed. If you're holding bags of Ethereum, you're going to get hosed. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. Moving on before I blow some blood vessels. Online gaming platform lets gamers collect BTC in first-person shooter game. And no, this is not the uh, Light Knight game. This is something different. I'm excited because it's not even the same damn company as far as I can tell. <clears throat> Joeri Kant is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning or late last evening. Online gaming platform. Oh, I'm sorry. Donner Lab, an online gaming platform that builds lightning games and applications, lets gamers hunt for BTC and pick up Satoshi Cubes. In a tweet on November the 19th, Donner Lab announced the launch of its latest project titled Bitcoin Bounty Hunt a fully Lightning-native multiplayer first-person shooter game. The Lightning Network is a payment protocol that allows for fast micropayments between two so-called nodes, in this case, gamers. Donner Labs was founded by 25-year-old Konstantin Nick after the 2018 Lightning Hack Day in Munich, Germany, as a means to introduce the world's largest cryptocurrency to more people. The, <clears throat> the FPS game, and for those not in the know, FPS stands for first-person shooter. Features an integrated neutrino wallet where gamers can store coins in a non-custodial fashion, an ad space for HODL auctions, and of course the ability to kill off other players in order to collect bounties. Nice. In October, Bitcoin-enabled game startup Satoshi's Games announced the development of a Fortnite-like game with built-in Lightning Network microtransactions titled Light Knight. Where interactions between players trigger a monetary reward or penalty for the user, Satoshi Games said at the time, quote, In simple words, players earn Bitcoin by shooting other players and lose Bitcoin when they get shot. The game reportedly updates in real time when the player damages another player, gets damaged, or picks up an item with BTC value and allows gamers to instantly withdraw their balance via Lightning Network when they wish to do so. In November, the pro-currency venture capitalist Tim Draper said that innovations such as the Lightning Network would be key in propelling the Bitcoin price higher. Draper believes that Bitcoin could reach 250000 by 2022 and 2023, somewhere in there, in part due to Bitcoin payment processors, which are really going to open the floodgates. He said, quote, It's because of Lightning Network and OpenNode and maybe others that are allowing us to spend Bitcoin very freely and quickly so that it's not just a store of value, but it can be used for micropayments and can be used for retail and it can be used all over, end quote. And that's the end of the article. Um, you're going to laugh at me. I never read uh, the book, Ready Player One. And I just saw the movie Monday. Uh, I got it on Blu-ray. Uh, it was cheap. It was like 14 bucks uh, because it's been out for so damn long. It was not... Anyway, so yes, I, I just now watched Ready Player One. Personally, I think the unless I'm wrong about the dates, I think the author may have ripped off uh, William Gibson's Snow Crash. I'm just going to leave that there. If I'm wrong, 
feel free to just pounce on me all over Twitter. Everybody else does anyway. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I just saw Ready Player One, and now like all these people that are, were talking about the the light uh, light night game, specifically the light night game. I they were talking about how they're like, wow, it's like Ready Player One, and I'm like going, okay, now, now I got to see this movie. Yeah, I get it. It 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 is. It is. It's like it's like you know William Gibson and and uh, whoever wrote Ready Player One. Um, it's like they knew what was coming they, or they knew something had to come. They just don't know, didn't know what it was. Now we do. It's Bitcoin with lightning. <clears throat> but yeah, especially the scene where the guy got his arm blown off or whatever and, and his body's leaking coins at the uh, close to the end of the movie. Um, I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's really cool. Also, and, and this has nothing to do with this particular story, but it dawned on me while reading this that um, if you were to combine this with kind of like the online Boltathon conference, all of a sudden I'm seeing a space like, oh, uh, what was this? Uh, Satoshi's Treasure, which I haven't heard anything out of for a while. Um, I need to check in on that and see where, see where they're at. But um, like Satoshi's treasure where it's like a, you know, the treasure hunt, but it's in meat space. You'd easily do that shit in, um, in a first person shooter game, especially in worlds that are very, very large. You could definitely do that. Um, just, a, just a thought, but you know, like, like I said, lightning is opening up all kinds of people that have, you know, really great. They're opening up the world to people with imagination is what they're doing. Because being able to turn on a light with a 10 Satoshi, re, you know, 10 Satoshis in cost read of a QR code to some guy I don't know that turns on a bank of lights, you know, pretty lights that his wife bought. I, he probably lives in Switzerland or uh, Sweden or something like that. It sounds, his name sounded Nordic, but he could also live down the block from me. I don't know. Completely anonymous. Other than the fact that he doxed himself by giving a selfie on, on my timeline, but whatever, you know, whatever. Okay, uh, let's see. What's the, what? oh yeah, Jimmy Aki. Grayscale files to make Bitcoin trust first to be regulated by the SEC. This was yesterday. Grayscale Investment has submitted a filing with the U.S. SEC that could change the status of its popular Bitcoin investment product. On November 19th, 2019, the company filed a securities registration form with the SEC, which, if approved, would see its popular Bitcoin trust product become the first ever digital currency investment product to be regulated by the SEC. The Bitcoin trust was initially launched as a way to give more investors exposure to Bitcoin with some barriers to entry eliminated, like the need to protect your own private keys. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. Oh, boating and Bitcoin. Yeah, th those don't mix. The pursuit of regulations by the SEC through this voluntary filing appears to be the appears to be an effort in the same vein. Quote, this filing is the latest step on the road to regulatory maturity for digital currencies, according to a grayscale press release sent to Bitcoin magazine. After creating the first FINRA regulated Bitcoin investment product, Grayscale once again is leading the industry in facilitating responsible regulatory oversight of the asset class. If the SEC approves the filing, the structure of the Bitcoin trust would not change, nor would its regulatory classification. 
Quote, this is a voluntary filing that, if deemed effective, would designate the trust as an SEC reporting company and register its shares pursuant to Section 12G of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 as amended the Exchange Act, the press release reads. The SEC or an SEC reporting company is also called a reporting issuer. By becoming a reporting company, Grayscale would likely be subject to periodic and ongoing disclosure requirements designed to keep investors informed on major updates concerning their investment. Following approval from the SEC, accredited Bitcoin trust investors would see a reduction in the statutory holding period of their investment from 12 to 6 months, giving them liquidity sooner. This means that investors who had previously purchased shares in the trust's private placement could resell them on the secondary market within six months. The trust would also be changing how it files quarterly and annual reports. With SEC approval, it would have to file its reports and audited financial statements as 10Qs and 10Ks, specific report templates as designated by the SEC. Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust became the first publicly traded Bitcoin fund in 2015, having received approval on the OTC Markets Group, OTCQX Exchange. The company, which is behind a significant drop gold advertising campaign, has seen its Bitcoin product rise in popularity since its launch. Per a recent quarterly report, Grayscale attracted $250 million U.S., in net investments for its products with two-thirds of the inflows secured attracted by the Bitcoin trust. So, eh, I sometimes I get really mad at Barry because the stance he took in the scaling wars, but sometimes he does, he does stuff that is, you know, kind of like, you know, pro Bitcoin. <clears throat> this one, this is, and this is antithetical to the ethos of Bitcoin because it's like make it's making it easier for you to give up your, your private keys. That's how, how I read that first, but you know, part of that first part of the story, making it easier to give up your private keys, in my opinion, is not good for the person giving up their private keys. Is it good for Bitcoin itself? God, I don't know The the more people that give up their private keys and the more chances that occur that a mishap can happen. I it would be bad. I think it would be bad for Bitcoin if something horrendous were to happen to Grayscale and everybody lost their money. And if they found out that all they had to do was hold their private keys and they would have never lost any of their Bitcoin, that's not going to read well, man. It's just, it's just not, doesn't matter. That's the end of the morning roundup. Vital statistics, we've got Bitcoin at some kind of average of $8,161. Yes, we've had a, a, a drop, whatever. Coinsbit has the high at 8234 Oh, I'm sorry, 35 And it looks like the low is going to be over at HitBTC at 8122 333,000 transactions in the last 24 hours gives an average transaction number per hour of about 14,000. 796 BTC or uh, 796,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours with 33,000 BTC being sent on average per hour with an average transaction value of 2.3 BTC. 
Median transaction value, however, is 0.034 BTC or about 280 bucks. Block times are low at 9 minutes and 10 seconds. We have 0.19 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and about 30 BTC in overall rewards of fees, or sorry, in overall fees in the last 24 hours. We are under 100 exahashes per second. Uh, we're at 92.6 exahashes per second, and that represents a 9.45% increase in, in hash rate in the last 24 hours. And the last uh, commit to the GitHub repository for Bitcoin Core was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 176. Bcash is at 243. Litecoin is at 55.5. BSV is at 107. Ethereum Classic is at 4.4. Dogecoin, wow, Doge, 0.003. Wow. Nice move, dog. And at 25,856 transactions in the last 24 hours, it seems to be walking up and down all over Litecoin, but nobody else. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's get into the mempool. We are five blocks deep and uh, have 9,500 unconfirmed transactions waiting to be put into brand new minted blocks. All the blocks I'm seeing are well over one megabyte, so that looks healthy. Now let's get into lightning. It looks like we have crossed 10,500 lightning nodes. We are now at 10,515, which is a 2.7% increase in the last 30 days, uh, or uh, month over month, rather. Uh, let's see. Network capacity is up by 2%. We're at uh, 832 BTC. We have 30 new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours, which represents a 200% increase of nodes coming on day over day. And new channels as well. Wow. 115% increase in the 24-hour period. We have 203 screaming, crying, brand spanking new, bottle-fed, diaper-wearing channels. And that's going to do it for Vitals. I was on t- <clears throat> the uh, Taco Plebs uh, Telegram group uh, yesterday or last night. And, oh, next thing I know, I'm in a discussion about freaking Frank Zappa, and all of a sudden it became very evident that I was going to be playing Camarillo Brillo for you guys for today's song of the day. So without further ado, say hi to my friend Frank. She was someone I should know. She had a snake for a pet. 
And the lamb yielded, and she was breathing a water, but she wasn't done yet. She had gray green skin, a doll with a pin. I told her she was all right, but I couldn't come in. I couldn't come in right there. And so she wandered through the doorway, just like a shadow from the tomb. She said her stereo was four way. And I just love it in a room. Well, I was born to have adventure, so I just followed up the steps, right past the fuming incense venture to where she hung her castanets. She stripped away her rancid poncho and laid out naked by the door. We did it till we were unconscious, and it was useless anymore. She had a snake for a pet, and an amulet, and she was breathing in water, but she wasn't done yet. She had gray green skin, a dog with a pin. I told her she was all right, but I couldn't come in. And so she wandered through the doorway, just like a shadow from the tomb. She said a stereo was more way, and I just love it in a room. Well, I was born to have adventure, so I just followed up the steps right past the fuming incense venture. Today's Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by Dr. Pavel Kravchenko, CEO and founder at Distributed Lab and author of Blockchain and Decentralized Systems. See what the good doctor has to say. Kravchenko was sitting on a panel focusing on blockchain projects and their associated cryptocurrency tokens. Quote, creating token value are monetary gains hindering blockchain innovation? Well, he summarized, quote, Bitcoin is censorship resistant money, the first in the world. I don't believe in institutional adoption. If this happens, Bitcoin will become not censorship resistant. Then it won't have this feature anymore and will crash to zero. Give me a break. Give me a break. William Suberg, writing for Cointelegraph, expert. Bitcoin may crash to zero because of institutional adoption. And this was actually written back on November the 14th. 
but it was just so glorious for a train wreck that I just had to read it for you today. So here we go. Bitcoin price could crash to zero in the event of mass adoption by institutions, an industry expert has warned. Speaking at Cointelegraph's ongoing block show conference on November the 14th, Dr. Pavel Kravchenko, CEO and co-founder of Distributed Lab and author of Blockchain and Decentralized Systems, revealed a rare bearish stance on the increasing institutional interest in Bitcoin. Kravchenko was sitting on a panel focusing on blockchain projects and their associated cryptocurrency tokens, creating a token of value. Are monetary gains hindering blockchain innovation? He summarized, and then there's the train wreck, so I won't read that part again, but he goes on, or the story goes on to say, institutions' role in Bitcoin trading and investing continue to form a point of debate among market participants and experts. This year, new offerings have surfaced with Bitcoin futures and custody solutions attempting to woo major players. Some have warned about the detrimental impact of institutional involvement, while others are bullish about the future. As Cointelegraph reported, venture capitalists like Mike Novogratz highlighted trading platform backed in particular as having the potential to boost and not crash the Bitcoin price. On the Block Show panel, Matthew Rossack, CEO of enterprise blockchain startup Block, with a Q, added that store of value use case for Bitcoin was furthering the appeal of the industry as a whole. Quote, Bitcoin as a store of value continues to be a freight train of momentum, he said. Conversely, Kravchenko argued governments trying to ban Bitcoin altogether would help the price more than institutional acceptance. As a currency, Bitcoin must attempt to become more private and introduce anonymizing anonymizing features. I'm not even... I'm just blown out. Sorry, guys, I can't do it. Features such as those in Zcash or Monero, or it will lose its censorship-resistant feature, he added. No. There's so much wrong with this. <clears throat> I can't even begin, I guess. But my, my main thing here is that if Bitcoin is for everybody, that includes institutions. What are we going to do? Tell them that they can't play? I mean, do I... I in, in a way, I think in the short term, the guy may be right. It's not going to go to zero, but wild price fluctuations are going to happen and will probably happen as more and more institutions get in. Why is it that everybody wants this thing to be already set in stone as, the, as whatever it is that we think it's going to be today? Does, is there like no such thing as patience in the world? I got a seven-year-old with more patience and he doesn't have any patience. But he's got more patience than a lot of the people in this industry. Again, how the hell can you say that it's going to lose censorship resistance when the, everything that's going on around Bitcoin is providing more, more censorship resistance? You, and is it possible that you can lose what you very well may never have had? We got sold a lot of stories. I know I did. I came in in the summer at the very tail end of the summer of 29 or 2015. Okay. So I haven't been, I'm not like a whale. I haven't been around since this shit was, you know, a dime. God, I wish I had known or I, I knew about it. I just, like everybody else in the world, I was like, eh, yeah. And then you come back to it and usually it's the second or possibly even the third time you come back to Bitcoin that you go, oh God, I get it. This guy supposedly is an expert and doesn't seem to understand something. 
Bitcoin really was never anonymous. It's always censorship resistant, but it's not anonymous. And I think he's, I think in this particular thing, he's, he's conflating the two being censorship resistant doesn't necessarily mean that it includes some aspect of, of either the notion of anonymity or the absence of anonymity. Oh, look, Hey, I was able to say it. It's just another in a long string of people that got it wrong. So what am I, in case you didn't know, Bitcoin has always been censorship resistant, but it's not anonymous at best. It's pseudonymous, right? The coins that I own can be traced all the way back to the block in which they were minted. Okay. I haven't done it myself, but it could. Any payments that I've made to like Jack Spirico over at the survival podcast, I bought a year of, of his, uh, to help support his show, I bought a, at the time it was worth, it's always 50 bucks. If you look at it in fiat at the time, it was 0.2 BTC, which makes me buying his year's membership into his thing to help, help him do what he does is probably the most expensive membership I've ever, ever done. And when the price, like, you know, we always make the mistake of, of going to USD price, I make it too. I still do it on a daily basis. I'm trying to be better. But at the time when the price ran up to, you know, eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars holy shit, 0.2 BTC all of a sudden became a lot of money, a lot of money. And even at 8,100.2 BTC is a lot of money. I was, I only bought a $50 thing and now he's got my 0.2 BTC and I'm kind of pissed about it. But I like Jack and I like the survival podcast. Uh, so it's it's okay. I mean, really. Um, but still, this guy, I think he really is conflating these problems. And having him say that we're going to lose censorship resistance because of institutional engagement is bullshit. Now, it will be uh, censorship resistant for those people who have chosen to give up their private keys. If you're going to make that choice, that's your choice to make, but do not go around telling people that Bitcoin 100% is going to go to zero because of institutional, institutional stuff. I'm never going to give an institutional my private keys. It's never going to happen. I may lose them in a tragic boating accident or possibly on a, you know, if, if luck shines on me, my boating accident will be on a super yacht as a, as a guest to a party, not the owner of the super yacht. Really. I just don't want to be hassled with the super yacht or a jet airplane, whatever. So anyway, uh, I hate to draw, had drawn this out so long, but that's, that's your smoldering pile. No, Bitcoin isn't going to zero. No, it's not going to lose its censorship resistance. Stop being an idiot. Continuing on with the theme of tragic boating accidents, I've got uh, your terrible joke corner from Dad Says Jokes. I just started a business building yachts in my attic. Sales are going through the roof. (laughs) Told you.
told you I'd be here all week. <clears throat> and you're going to get another one on Friday, too. All right, so thanks, Dad. I appreciate that. Your jokes are terrible. Absolutely, absolutely terrible. So, hump day, Wednesday, God, midweek. Um, everything seems to be actually going okay. Even though you got idiots like Pavel talking about how Bitcoin's going to zero, it just reminds me of the old man yelling at clouds, how he was screaming on stage. I can't remember his name offhand. I, I've played it before. He's it's going to zero. I know the guy. And when that comes out, it's going to zero. Zero. That dude, whatever his name is, he's, don't listen to him. If you were listening, if, if the smart money was listening to those guys, they wouldn't be doing shit like building BitSahara. They wouldn't be building Trilolly. They wouldn't be, Gary Leland wouldn't have a, a conference out in Dallas. There wouldn't be any conference. It's just, this is, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. So, yeah, be careful about the FUD that you uh, decide to engage with and try to really, it's hard. I understand that it's hard to really pull these stories apart or these narratives, but it is worth it um, because it helps guard against just utter and total garbage. But, you know, with all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.